Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium's sports betting podcast. It is Thanksgiving week. Wish everyone an early Thanksgiving. We'll be back Wednesday, of course, to wish you a real happy Thanksgiving. But a happy early Thanksgiving to anybody. Nate Jacobson, Ben Wittenstein here, uh, and uh, Nate. We had a pretty good weekend for the podcast. Yeah, Ben, you had a great Saturday. Two rocking chair winners in the college yeah. football best bets. You called it with North Texas playing a, a team that's reeling in, in FIU with what's going on in the coaching situation. And at Florida International, and that was easy. I think I checked the score at halftime, and it was 28 nothing or 35 nothing. So didn't even have to check the file score. Knew that was going to come home. And then your other best bet, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but that was very easy, too. What was it? Yeah, UCLA minus three. Yes. I was one. watching that game, and that was clearly the right side. It was a great handicap because that USC defense specifically looked like it quit. But Two really good best bets there. My college best bet didn't quite work out with Kansas State. Muffed an early punt, kind of took the air out of the crowd, and they just never were able to recover offensively. Dave Aranda's defense had a very impressive showing in what I thought would be a letdown spot for Baylor. But there was a few other bets I made, like Oregon State that came through at night, even though I fell asleep before it was over. So overall, a decent uh, day in college football, especially for you, Ben. And then NFL it was another entertaining day, and I, I think, Ben, you had the Colts and, and Texans, didn't you? Uh, not best bets, but both your, like, your top two picks for the NFL. Yeah, the, I was leaning on both those sides on Friday, and I think I, I said I would probably both bet, that, bet both of them. And I was telling you before we even started recording Friday, I came as close as anyone could possibly come to making Houston plus 10 as my best bet. Yep. And then I said, I just, I can't do it. I can't make the Houston Texans a best bet. And uh, I do regret that because they uh, they even exceeded my expectations because I would have even done Houston Moneyline if I knew something like that was going to happen. But they looked really good against the Titans. Um, but your Washington football team bet, Nate, the uh, your favorite bet of the, of the year, I think is what you said. And it, it hit. It was my favorite bet in, the, in a while. I think I ended up probably having more money on that 49ers-Cardinals game back in week five when Trey Lance started. But uh, I liked Washington mm-hmm. a lot. I liked Washington. It's for themselves. I thought their offense could maybe play a little bit better or continue to play better after they played well against the Buccaneers and they weren't getting enough credit for beating Tampa Bay. But also just Cam Newton getting more than a field goal as a favorite in an offense that he's just learning because he was in Carolina, but it was a different coaching regime. So liked a lot of things there. 
didn't start off that well, and it <laughs> it was one of those situations where it's seven nothing a little bit, and Antonio Gibson fumbles in the red zone, and I kind of go like, here we go again. This is the Packers game all over again, and they were, did settle for some short field goals, but they did win the game, kicking that late field goal to go up six. So even when they did that, even if Carolina went down, scored a touchdown, they would have covered the numbers. So excited that Carolina was able to come through, especially because at the same time, the Vikings also won a game, a game where they were up by 13 points twice. They lost the lead, but this time they came through and won the game. Kirk Cousins made some big throws. Justin Jefferson had an outstanding game, and Dalvin Cook did enough in the run game to kind of not expose the Packers' defense, but kind of put them back to where we thought they were after the Packers' defense had three really good performances against top-tier quarterbacks in the three prior games. So just some housekeeping, an update on the records for both of us and the show as we get into Thanksgiving week, Nate. Um, I am 22-17. and That's a good 50 percent winning percentage um and you are i think it's updated 15 and 14 good for 52 percent win percentage and as a show we are 37 and 31 a 54 percent winning percentage for the show which can't complain about that that's a pretty good win percentage for best bets this season nba wise i am four and three i lost that demonta sabonis best bet for the nba on friday because Rick Carlisle decided to not play his starters for pretty much the entire second half of that game. So he scored eight points in 22 minutes. Uh, questionable whether he could have gotten it if he played the full, you know, 30, 35 minutes that he usually does. So that's just a tough way to lose it. Um, I, I have a beef with Rick Carlisle for pulling Sabonis and for, uh, for Malcolm Brogdon to not passing to Sabonis for a good portion of that game. So that was just a really tough bet. Uh, to lose on that one, considering he hit his point total over on the next game on Saturday night. So that was a tough loss. So we'll come back, hopefully get some more NBA best bets on Wednesday uh, for Thanksgiving week. But in general, best bets for football, Nate, looking good for the show. And uh, we're going to go over some college football games. We're going to have, of course, a show today. We're going to have a show on Wednesday. No show on Friday because it's the day after Thanksgiving. So two shows this week. Um, so we're going to try to fit everything into these two shows and a lot of the bets on Wednesday. Um, but just looking back at this past weekend, Nate, and you talked a little bit about teasers, and I know you wanted to, to talk a little bit about Sean Payton. Yeah, I, I, we talked about what was good this weekend, but there was some stuff that wasn't so good. And I mentioned the, I had the Vikings. I said I'd bet them at any underdog price, and I thought they made a really good teaser leg up to plus eight or plus seven and a half, if, as long as you got it past the touchdown uh, with the Vikings at underdog and the team to pair them with. Would have been the New Orleans Saints, who ended up closing plus three. So when I was giving out, said that teaser, I said when it was like two and a half or two to eight or eight and a half, figuring the Saints would play a close game against the Eagles. And that's definitely not how it played out. The Eagles got out to a lead. Trevor Simeon threw a pick six right at the end of the first half, and they went down 27 to seven. And you could question if Sean Payton should have been been that aggressive at the end of the half and asking his quarterback to be in that situation. So that was bad from Sean Payton. But the really bad thing was they're down 14. There's about seven minutes left. They have a fourth and seven from Philly's 10-yard line. And down 14, he settles for a 28-yard field goal to make a 14-point deficit 11. And I was hoping the Eagles, or sorry, the Saints would go for it because then they'd have a chance to score a touchdown, get into that teaser leg, because I was hoping the Eagles would win, but only win by one to seven points or one to eight points. He didn't do that. They kick a field goal. 
Eagles go down to score, go up 18, and that was that was the game. I think the Saints maybe scored a late touchdown, but not didn't have enough time to even put enough points on the board if they were to get the onside kick, I believe. So really disappointing for Sean Payton, who I think has kind of had a questionable year, even though he doesn't have the uh, the quarterback maybe and weapons to work with on his offense. But that decision-making was pretty puzzling to have a, a reasonable fourth and cut down conversion fourth and seven against the soft Eagles defense who's kind of playing prevent for a lot of drives in a row as the Saints were trying to mount a comeback and the teaser that was definitely open and they decided to kick a field goal and when he decided to kick a field goal I knew it was probably over so John yeah. Payton that's my grievance of the week uh I he's mean, on the black lose, list losing to the Eagles in that game was a was a bad loss to begin with that was a game they kind of needed now they're five and five with their next two games against the Bills and Cowboys and now it looks like in the NFC the Eagles right there for the playoff race I saw something this morning that the Eagles do not have to take an airplane the rest of the season all their games are at home or their road trips against the um, the, I think it's the Jets and the Giants and the Washington football team. So the Eagles are set up pretty well, along with the 49ers and Vikings, who are both improved to 5-5 five and five and have a big game in Week 12 against each other in San Francisco. All right, so let's do a little bit of opening bell. It's uh, We're going to do opening bell short, short list. It's kind of like a combination uh, of the two. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about some of the big games that are happening this week. Uh, Iowa at Nebraska. Number 17, Iowa at Nebraska, Nate. And if you were to tell somebody who is just kind of a casual fan of college football that Nebraska is the favorite against number 17, Iowa, in this game, they might call you crazy. But that's the reality. Nebraska minus three and a half uh, at home against Iowa on Friday. Uh, you have a bunch of uh, notes for this game, and I would love to hear the reason why it makes sense that Nebraska is more than a field goal favorite against Iowa. And again, let me mention Nebraska this season, three and eight, one and seven in the Big Ten. Yeah, one and seven in the Big Ten. But if you look at their point differential in the Big Ten, it's plus seven because they had a huge 49-point win against Northwestern early, earlier in conference play for their lone conference win. And then it's just a thing where they lose close games. And Iowa, a team that has nine wins, so that's what makes the line maybe puzzling at the surface. But if you look a little bit deeper at how Iowa has played the last two games, ever since Alex Padilla took over as starter for Spencer, Spencer Petras, who has a shoulder injury, Iowa was outgained significantly in wins over Minnesota and Illinois. Last week, Padilla was 6 of 17 for 83 yards passing, and he also was less than 50% completion percentage against Minnesota. So they're not getting good quarterback play at all. It's a, it's kind of been lucky and kind of back to what we've seen from Iowa earlier in this season where they were forcing a lot of turnovers, maybe hitting a few big plays in the running game, and that's how they're winning games. And then this is Nebraska's last game of the season because obviously they're not bowl eligible, going to be bowl eligible at 3-8. and eight. The problem is, I uh, sorry, for Nebraska, they always just lose these games, and they make mental mistakes. And the example, I was watching the game against Wisconsin, and I had Nebraska plus 10. They did cover, but I also had some Nebraska money line at plus 300 or better. But Wisconsin opens the game with a kickoff return for a touchdown. And this is a Nebraska team who had a bye last week. They have two weeks to prepare for this game, and they are already down 7 nothing. <laughs> 
less than 15 seconds in. So that's just kind of the makeup of the program under Scott Frost, who is coming back. They did announce he'd be retained two weeks ago. Hopefully for Nebraska, I guess, that they and their fans, that they could show something in the final game of the season and show that they're making the right decision. decision. Uh, retaining Scott Frost, but yeah, I think the underlying metrics and some of the uh, some of the uh, point differential statistics show that Nebraska, even though they are three and eight, they're a justified favorite over this Iowa team who do not have a good offense, especially the last few games. Yeah, I, it's this is like one of those games where I feel like even if you win the bet, whatever side you pick, you're not going to feel good about winning the bet. It's going to be just you, you win the bet by the, the skin on your teeth, and you're just like, oh, God, I, I don't know if I deserve that one. It kind of feels like that type of game for me because neither of these teams inspire any trust. They, they, they're they not trustworthy teams betting-wise. They have huge glaring holes in big parts of their game. And it's it's interesting that the line has settled through that key number of three, too. I, I find that very interesting that it's – they don't expect it to even be as close of a game where maybe a team just wins it on a game-winning field goal. They have Nebraska at three in the hook. Yeah, and obviously this isn't a game you need to bet on. There's plenty of games in Week 13, and especially some good situational angles that we'll talk about in a little bit and also on Wednesday's show. But this game is Friday, so if you want a little bit of action the day after Thanksgiving, not as many options on Friday, but just something to keep in mind and beware not to just blindly bet Iowa because they're the team that has nine wins and Nebraska has three wins. All right, so let's talk about the game, capital T, capital G, the game, Ohio State at Michigan, number four Ohio State, number six Michigan, usually one of the biggest games of any weekend after Thanksgiving. But this weekend it is not only that, but there's serious playoff implications for this game. That line right now, OSU uh, is laying eight points on the road in the big house, and that total 63 and a half, which at first glance, it seems a little high for a game like this. And I know these games tend to have a lot of scoring, but Michigan's defense has played well all season long, and I know Ohio State's offense has the propensity to just score points on points on points. Um, but again, Ohio State, eight-point favorites. Interesting line there. Yeah, I would say Ohio State probably has the best offense in America just based yeah. on the skill they have and just the way they played the last two games against Purdue and Michigan State, especially against Michigan State, where I know the game didn't go over the total, but Ohio State certainly did their part, especially in the first half where they scored 42 points and accumulated over 500 yards of offense. And C.J. Stroud had six touchdown passes and why he is the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. But they played probably their A game against Michigan State, knocked Michigan State out of the playoff race and the Big Ten East race, and now they're playing Michigan. Winner goes to Indy for the Big Ten title game and has a great shot at making the college football playoff. So Michigan, or Ohio State kind of off their peak. Not, don't think we're going to get that same performance. And Michigan, no. they haven't won this game under Harbaugh against Ohio State. They really haven't won any big games under Harbaugh, so the pressure is immense for him. For me, I have a hard time trying to figure out who to bet. If I had to bet it, maybe Michigan in the under, but I don't have feel comfortable betting on Michigan, putting my money on a Jim Harbaugh team in a game against a team like Ohio State, where they're a big underdog in this case, getting eight points right now on Monday morning 
at home. So a game, obviously, going to watch. Very interested to see what happens for the playoff race and the fascination of Ohio State and versus Jim Harbaugh. If Jim Harbaugh can finally win a big game. But betting-wise, yeah. I think this line is probably spot on. I don't feel comfortable betting Michigan uh, in this particular game. Yeah, I mean, I would lead toward the under. That would be my play in this game. Um, and, I mean, we talked about that Maryland-Michigan game being a, a look-ahead spot for Michigan, maybe a bit of a letdown, and that was yeah. just simply not the case on the road, just blowing out Maryland 59-18, and they looked good doing it. Cade McNamara looked good. Their running game looked good, and I know it's Maryland, but, I mean, you talk about Michigan improving under Harbaugh and, and at least looking like a better team, and maybe a couple years ago this is a Michigan team that – Maybe wins this game, but keeps it close against Maryland. This is this seems like it's a little bit of a different team under Harbaugh, and I don't know what that means for a game like this. He has struggled, as you said, against Ohio State, and that's kind of the biggest black mark on his resume as the Michigan head coach. So an eight-point spread does seem pretty fair for a Michigan team that struggled against Ohio State and is playing at home. Yeah, I think the problem is if Michigan gets down early, Ohio State gets out to a fast start like they did against Michigan State. Michigan doesn't really have the offense that you want to yeah. be playing catch-up. They don't really fully trust their game manager, quarterback, Cade McNamara. They rely on their two running backs, Corum and Haskins. And if we saw with Michigan State, they weren't able to get Kenneth Walker going because they were trailing by too much. It's almost the same thing where Michigan, they cannot get down in this game if they want to have a chance. They have to be either playing from ahead or in a neutral game state so they can continue to run the ball, which I think would make sense for the under regardless because if Ohio State gets out to a lead, Michigan will have trouble scoring. But if the game is close, Michigan's going to want to have long, time-consuming drives to keep C.J. Stroud, yes. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, those running backs off the field. So the under makes sense no matter which way you look at it. The more I think about it, especially since both teams are coming off huge offensive output outputs. So this total is a little bit higher than it probably would be if this game was played last week. All right, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State laying three and a half in this one. Fifty-one and a half is the total. Uh, Oklahoma, very interesting team. This season, uh, certainly a lot of drama surrounding the quarterback position, of course, um, and Oklahoma State, again, one of those other teams who we've we, we tried to handicap a couple times throughout the season um, and have had mixed success handicapping the Cowboys. So uh, when you look at this game, they minus three and a half for Oklahoma State. They're at home. Um, what are you thinking? What, what's kind of your first reaction to this line? Well, first, I'll say that I've had poor, uh, poor results betting against or on right. Oklahoma State. I think I've only yeah. bet against them. I know against Texas and I think a few other games I try to fade them and didn't quite work out as Oklahoma State has exceeded expectations. I still have questions about their offense, but the defense looks legit. Their defense only let up 108 total yards against Texas Tech this past weekend. When you think of old Oklahoma State-Texas Tech games, sometimes those games would be combined scores into the 80s and 90s. So it's a really different Oklahoma State team in terms of their identity, and it showed where they shut out Texas Tech, a usually high-power offense, this past week in a look-ahead game that we highlighted on Wednesday, last Wednesday's show. So impressive stuff from Oklahoma as of late, and I guess that's why they're a favorite in this game. Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma quarterback who replaced Spencer Rattler at halftime or late or second half or maybe end of the first half of that Texas game, 
only had 87 passing yards against Iowa State. So Oklahoma adjusted enough. They did have a, a timely scoop and score at the end of the first half that kind of shifted the game. So I get why Oklahoma State is favored in this game. Worth noting, Oklahoma State has already clinched a spot in next week's Big 12 title game. Oklahoma would also make the Big 12 title game if they won this game. But if Baylor wins earlier in the day, Oklahoma would have to win to make the Big 12 title game. If Baylor loses and Oklahoma, I think, clinches. But there is a lot to play for for Oklahoma in terms of the Big 12 title. Oklahoma State already booked their ticket to the Big 12 title game. But if they want to stay in the playoff race, if case chaos happens at the top, they obviously need to win the next two games. So a lot to play for. That's why we wanted to talk about this game. I understand why Oklahoma State's favorite, but at over a field goal, I think there's an opportunity to maybe buy Oklahoma at its lowest point. That's the only way I'd look in this game. There's another game where I think the under is definitely in play just because of the way Oklahoma State has played of lately and just Oklahoma's offense really not finding the next gear that we expected. So right now, lean to Oklahoma, lean to the under, because I think even if Oklahoma State wins this game, it would be have to be low scoring. I don't think they're going to win in a shootout. Yeah, I may wait to see if we get some late Oklahoma money on this one because I I like Oklahoma State a lot, Nate, in this game. They are undefeated at home against the spread, um, which is something to consider and if people like trends and, and whatnot. But their unders also hit a lot this season because of their defense. But I, I really just think Oklahoma State is the better team here. I Oklahoma has not inspired trust in me at all this season to, to do stuff when – the going gets tougher when they really need to do something. And I know they have more to play for technically, but I, Oklahoma State's top 10 team. They're trying to sneak into the playoffs any way that they can if there's any, like you said, chaos in the top four, top five of the standings. So I, Oklahoma State at home against a, a somewhat relatively shaky Oklahoma team. And if they can get that down to a field goal favorite, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Oklahoma State if it gets down to minus three. Yeah, I think one of the reasons I'm a little bit on the other side, and maybe this isn't a good example because the teams are a lot different than they have been, and especially at the quarterback play for Oklahoma where they had a very elite play at that position, but they've won the last six games in this meeting. They've won eight of the last nine. So Riley has had an undefeated record against Gundy. Maybe there's something there where he's kind of figured him out. But this Oklahoma State team a little bit different with how they're built defensively. So maybe shouldn't take too much stock into the past year performances. Uh, I just can't believe Oklahoma State's doing this because they had such a poor start to the season where they barely beat Missouri State. They barely beat Tulsa. Uh, they go to Boise State and win a really weird game. Uh, they're on the ropes against Texas, and a pick six turns the game around. They play Kansas State with a backup quarterback. Like I thought this team was such a, such a phony top-ten team when they were. And then they end up losing Iowa State, but I thought they actually played well against Iowa State covering the number. And since then, they've yeah. played very, very well. So I got They've been blowing out teams Gundy. since the yeah. Iowa State game. No, for sure. And I know uh, that the teams aren't being great, but they've been blowing them out. Yeah, I mean, all you have to ask for, you're be- they're meeting expectations and beating the point spread. And that's something they weren't doing early in the year. So now they definitely have maybe improved a little bit. Uh, I really want to take Oklahoma, but I, I don't know if I can. And I think there's a little bit of something to be worried about is if Baylor somehow loses to Texas Tech on, on Saturday, Oklahoma might not be very motivated because they know they'll have a rematch in the Big 12 title game next week. 
Yeah, we'll we'll have to revisit this on Wednesday because I if it, if it does get down to, to minus three, I, I might make it my best bet for Oklahoma State. I'm that I'm that confident. Um, all right, so Nate, there was something we you looked uh, researched over the weekend um, or Sunday, I guess after after the Saturday games. But there are uh, teams who are five and six who have not clinched bowl eligibility, and uh, they're going against teams that have already or can't clinch bowl eligibility. So you made a you made a list of some of these teams who have something to play for, essentially playing teams that just don't have anything to play for. So we can just go down the list. It's four games that you had so that people could pay attention to looking at the uh, spreads of things. UTSA is minus 12 at North Texas is the first game. Yeah, so UTSA, 11-0, they're definitely going to be playing in the Conference USA title game, and they're going on the road, laying 12 against the North Texas team, who, Ben, you had as a best bet. They're 5-6 mm-hmm. and six now. They need this game for a bowl game. I kind of like North Texas plus the points here in a game where they need to win to get bowl eligible, so you know you're going to get max effort. But at the same time, UCLA, knowing that they have a big conference title game next week, just wanting to get through. I know it probably means a lot for UTSA to finish the season undefeated at 12-0 and in the regular season going into that conference title game. But I can see North Texas hanging around because of the bowl eligibility motivation. The other game, uh, the next game, Tulsa at SMU. Tulsa, the team to play for something here. SMU, though, laying six and a half in this game. Yep, Tulsa, they uh, are 5-6. and six. SMU last week had their big game against Cincinnati. They failed, so it's a bit of a letdown here for SMU. Kind of like Tulsa here, I think that would be an early money line look, plus the points. And if you can get plus 200 or better on the money line with Tulsa in this game, I think that they'll obviously be very motivated and not sure what to think of SMU off that loss to Cincinnati. They will not be playing in the Conference USA title game. And then their head coach, Sonny Dykes, has been linked to numerous head coaching jobs, so not sure how focused his staff is, especially a game against Tulsa. Texas A&M minus 6.5 at LSU. Uh, the last game for Ed Orgeron at LSU, his last go Tigers. That's going to be his last one that we hear from him. LSU, though, maybe something to play for, maybe a cover here. Well, yeah, they're five and six. They're playing an AMM team that doesn't have anything to play for in terms of just record. I guess maybe Jimbo Fisher would love to win this game and kind of show that, like, I'm at A&M for good. I have a better team. Yeah. I just came into your house and won this game, so stop bothering me with questions about the <laughs> LSU job. But, yeah, you mentioned this is Coach O's last game. Unless they win, and then they'll make a bowl then game. So go, this right? could be his last game, his last home game. They're catching six and a half. I think that's going to be a really popular play this week. Not sure if I'm going to bet it because I do think Jimbo Fisher is going to want to win this game for numerous reasons, as I mentioned. But I could see LSU being a very popular spread and money line pick. And Coach O's last home game in Baton Rouge, and they're trying to extend their season to play one bowl game with him in charge. Finally, Pitt, minus 11 at Syracuse. Uh, they go to Syracuse where uh, Syracuse at home. Not not a bad yeah. bet against the spread if you can grab them, especially since they're five and six playing for something. Yep, five and six Syracuse catching double digits against a Pittsburgh team who just beat Virginia last week in a big game, and they already clinched the ACC Coastal. So Pittsburgh will be playing next week against either Wake Forest, NC State, or Clemson the ACC title game. So not sure if they're going to be fully motivated to cover a big number against a Syracuse team that has everything to play for. And I just want to add 
that there is a longer list of teams at five and six. I'll name them quickly. Ball State, San Jose State, South Alabama, TCU, Troy, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, and Memphis, all teams five and six playing at teams that are already bowl eligible or can't make a bowl game. So when this video comes out, I will tweet out that full list with updated point spreads so you can kind of follow along. Not saying you should blindly bet these games, but just something to keep in mind when looking at the games and maybe it'll help you stay off a bet or maybe make you go over the edge and put a bet just because there's a lot of motivation this time of year with the last week of the college football regular season. All right, so let's look at some um, NFL teams here because there is some early line movement in a couple NFL games for Week 12 with uh, some some line adjustments that I think people should be made aware of. Uh, the Titans at the Patriots this weekend. The Patriots now have moved from under a field goal favorite to, from minus 2.5 to minus 5.5. And, and obviously a big reason why you have to believe is the Titans just pitiful outing against the Houston Texans and letting Tyrod Taylor run all over them, score a couple touchdowns as well. And the Patriots also on the other side, they have looked more significant as the season has gone on. Yeah, the market's definitely caught up with the Patriots. They did last week when they were laying seven on the road to the Falcons. They ended up uh, shutting out the Falcons, so you can bump the Patriots up even more. And then the Titans losing to the Texans, but it was a game that you thought, Ben, that they would play poorly in. It made sense to me that they were too big of a favorite after playing so many big games in a row that a letdown was inevitable against a team with Tyrod Taylor, who's their better quarterback, coming off a bye week. If you do look deeper in the box score, maybe a little bit of a misleading final where the Titans outgained the Texans by 230 yards. The problem was Tennessee turned the ball over five times, including four Ryan Tannehill interceptions. Now the Titans, back in their familiar underdog role where they had so much success in games against the Chiefs and the Bills and the Rams earlier this season, Patriots likely as their highest point. I believe this line is going to get to six, especially with the news that A.J. Brown being evaluated for the chest injury. He's kind of one of their only viable weapons left with Julio Jones on IR and, of course, Derrick Henry also on IR with that foot injury. They'll keep him out most of the regular season, if not the whole year. So not sure if we're going to have enough to back the Titans here in a big underdog role because of their lack of offensive firepower and their weapons where it's just really Tannehill and a banged-up offensive line and a defense that's not very great. So really not sure what to make of this game. Want to see how high this goes because I don't think the bottom's out yet, not here. Yeah, I would agree. I th- I would I would take the Titans if it gets up to 6.5, uh, definitely 7. But if it gets to 6, 6.5, I might consider taking the Titans depending on how actually banged up they are because – I mean that that's that's the thing. They're coming off a blowout loss. I, I don't they're too good right. of a team to come back from a blowout loss and just lay another egg. And they the only reason they would do that is if they just continue to be injured, but that we'll have to learn as the week goes on. But I do like the Titans if this line grows in favor of the Patriots a little bit more. Um the other game we wanted to talk to uh, talk about Seahawks at Washington and the Seahawks have just looked pitiful um and and russ just does not look 100 percent. that offense looks incapable of, of scoring points and the line has reflected that from the washington football team uh being three and a half point underdogs to now one point favorites yeah this is a game that's next monday night so we'll definitely talk about it in depthly uh we'll we're preview it in next week's show but seahawks off back-to-back losses since russell wilson returned 
a pretty crushing loss yesterday, moving to three and seven on the season, especially losing a home game to a Cardinals team that still didn't have Kyler Murray, still didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, and Colt McCoy goes and pulls out the outright upset in Seattle. And now it just feels like maybe their season's over and you have to question their motivation for upcoming games, especially having to travel across the country against the Washington football team that we mentioned won and covered against the Panthers last week. They had six drives that reached the end zone. They fumbled on one, settled for two short field goals to put the game away. Um, but I think Washington maybe continue, can continue to improve, and they're four and six, and they're definitely have an, it's an outside shot at the playoffs, but at least there's something to play for and some belief as they've won two games off the bye week. And Taylor Heineke, actually not a bad quarterback. It was uh, fun watching him scramble around and make plays with his legs and his arm to help get that straight out, a straight up win last uh, yesterday against the Panthers. So the line now makes sense now that it's basically a pick 'em Washington football team, a small favorite, but quite the adjustment where Washington was a three and a half point favorite on the look ahead before yesterday's games were played. Let's preview some Monday Night Football before we end the show. Buccaneers and Giants, 11 is the line in favor of the Buccaneers. Uh, that total is hovering around 50, 49 and a half here and there. The Giants, though, Nate, uh, this is my interesting situation. I mean, they haven't played since, uh, what, November 7th. So they're coming off a bye, and not only that, but they're playing a Monday night football game off of a bye. So they have had plenty of opportunity to prepare for this game, to prepare for a Buccaneers team who's lost two in a row. Um, and they've lost two games against not great teams. I mean, Washington, we were just talking about that they're probably better than people think. New Orleans, though, on Halloween, not great. Um, and those two games were on the road, so the Buccaneers back at home, laying the 11 points. It's it's really tempting to want to take the Giants here. It really is. And it just doesn't feel good, though, to have to bet on the New York Giants. Yeah, I guess the last time the Giants played was against the Raiders. They beat the Raiders. And since that game, the Raiders have already lost two games. And, and the Giants yeah. have been idle since then. So kind of a crazy kind scheduling it dynamic with 15 days off. For the New York Giants, who are getting healthier, it looks like Saquon Barkley is getting back. Kenny Galladay has missed a lot of the season. I know he came back last game. So he'll have a little bit of extra time to, to, you know, get to full strength and full health and be part of this offense where he's been kind of off and on in terms of injury. And so we're probably getting the healthiest the Giants offense has been since early in the season. Joe Judge is a road underdog, very good against the spread, 9-2 and two as the Giants head coach. So the Giants thrive in this role as the big underdogs on the road. They struggle more at home, at least Daniel Jones has in his career. So it's kind of where you'd want to bet the Giants. The problem is, as you mentioned, the Buccaneers coming off two losses. that had There was a bye week sandwich in between. So they've had a lot of time where they haven't won a football game. feel like Tom Brady against a team that he has a lot of uh, personal revenge against because of two Super Bowl losses against is going to want to show out here, even in a primetime game where he isn't as good in primetime. Maybe it's his uh, 44-year-old age where he's not uh, good. He's usually used to uh, – earlier bed he's at early bedtime <laughs> yeah exactly so it's a it's a lot i guess to lay for the for the buccaneers but you'd expect them to be fully focused motivated to have a good outing it looks like rob gronkowski might come back antonio brown's still out uh, but one of those games where i'm just going to have no bets maybe watch a little bit flip through some uh, college basketball 
uh, tournaments that are going on all day and and kind of see if there's a live opportunity. But for me, nothing in this game side or total between the Giants and Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, the the over looks a little interesting to me if it stays below 51. I, I may put a little bit of money on the over, but the Giants, it, it just seems... It seems really good to have the Giants as a double-digit underdog in a situation like this, and it's, it is tough to bet against a Buccaneers team two losses in a row. You'd think Tom Brady would be meta-focused for a game like this. So it almost seems like the line's appropriate, but we, we'll have to see what it does before kickoff because if it if we see some money on the Bucks coming in later on, it's going to be really tempting to hit the Giants. Yeah, from what it looks like, I don't think it will. The look headline way back, so like 13 days ago, the look headline was Bucks minus 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 12 and a half in some spots. So it's gone down a little bit off the Bucks outright loss to the Washington football team. So I think this line's about right. And had a lot of bets this weekend. Going to have a lot this week coming weekend with so many college football angles where I don't feel like I really need to get involved because the Giants do seem tempting with the trends. But at the same time, maybe this is a Bucks performance like we saw against the Chicago Bears like a month ago where it was 38-3 to final and the Giants couldn't score. So we'll have to see what happens tonight. But nothing too – not the most interesting game, honestly. Um, it's, I guess it would be just interesting to see how the Bucks respond because based on the numbers I make, I still have the Bucks as the best team in the NFL, especially with how a lot of these teams have been losing, like the Bills – and I guess the uh, the Titans, even though I didn't have them up there, or the Rams the last two games. So I still think the Bucks are the best team in the NFL, but they're definitely working through some things. As Bruce Arians did call them out last week after that loss to the Washington football team. So I'd expect a, a pretty decent response from them. All right. Wednesday, Nate, big picks for Thanksgiving yeah. and the weekend. We're going to have our NFL, our college football picks. I'm going to throw in some NBA ones. Maybe talk to our uh, old friend Rizzo and get some college basketball picks for some of these tournaments for Thanksgiving. I'll have to see. Um, but it, it's going to be a fun day on Wednesday. So uh, hopefully we get, gave some good information today to prepare for the weekend and to prepare for picks on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Until then, good luck to everybody. Follow Stadium Bets on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you back here on Wednesday. 